always say yes to the present moment. What could be more futile, more insane than to create inner resistance to what already is? What could be more insane than to oppose life itself, which is now and always now? Surrender to what is. Say yes to life and see how life suddenly starts working for you rather than against you. Eckhart Tolle. Joining me today is not Eckhart Tolle, although, you know, hopefully one day in the future, he will join us in the show. Uh, joining me today is Coot Blackson, and we are going to dig deep into the concept, the magic, the miracle, the mystery uh, of surrender. But we are going to talk about it in a very different fashion, because for me, what I've found is that many people struggle with surrender or surrendering to life in a multitude of fashions. I've, I've found that many people struggle to surrender because it doesn't seem like there's a, a pragmatic, linear approach to surrendering because, of course, it's surrender almost takes us past the precipice or outside of the, the threshold of what is known and into the unknown. And we venture into the sort of mythological territory of the abyss in some ways when we are surrendering. We surrender ourselves in some people's language to divinity or to divine intelligence and allow it to guide us. But for others, the block is that not only do they not know what's going to happen when they surrender, it's that they have a wound, they have a pain, they have a, a fear or a hurt when it comes to surrendering, that perhaps in the past they had surrendered to life, to love, to intimacy, uh, to faith, and they got burned. They were hurt in some capacity. And so to trust surrender, to trust life in that way um, seems futile. So we are going to take a pragmatic and practical approach in some ways. And you'll hear this in my questions to Coot, because I think for many people, when we talk about surrender, it's a concept that can get a little airy-fairy. It's a concept that can kind of get uh, <laughs> it can kind of get a little spiritual woo-woo to the point where where it sounds more like a concept than a, than a sort of practical strategy on how to execute within life. And I have found in my life that surrender has been an integral aspect. And I've always tried to take a, a sort of practical approach to surrendering to the information of change. And you've probably heard me say this before countless times on the show, but my personal motto in life is let change change you. And that we actually need to relinquish control and allow the change that's showing up in our life, our relationships, to actually dictate some of the movement and the growth and the development that that we are meant to experience, that we begin to move with the grain of life. We begin to move with the flow of life. And that flow is change, as the saying goes, change is the ultimate constant. And so, or maybe the only constant. And so when we begin to uh, move with that change, it requires us to enact surrender. So Coot and I talk about the the practical, pragmatic approach to how to surrender, but also what some of the obstacles are. So let me tell you a little bit more about Coot Blackson. I've had him on the show before. If you enjoy this episode, I, I definitely encourage you to go and uh, listen into the other one because it'll give you some good insight into who he is. And in the other episode, we talk a lot about you know his life growing up in Ghana, or in, in, in his you know he's born in Ghana in West Africa. Uh, he had a very multicultural upbringing as a child of a Japanese mother and a Ghanaian father. 
um, and his father was actually a, a pastor and a preacher. So Kud is a, a really a loved, inspirational speaker and transformational teacher. He's the author of the national best-selling book, You Are the One, and his upcoming book, The Magic of Surrender, which we dig into in this, in this episode. And he, in many ways, he's considered the next generation leader in the field of personal development. Uh, he's been featured on Larry King Now, Fox and Friends, Dr. Drew, uh, Inc. Magazine has called him the mindfulness guru that, that billionaires and millionaires go to for advice. Um, he really has worked in a number of, of different fields. Um, and for over 20 years, he's been inspiring audiences around the world from the first time that he spoke in front of 3,000 people at the age of eight to speaking to over 300 venues by age of 18. He's done some incredible work, both with organizations and, and people. Uh, he, in 2019, uh, received the Walden Award in the New Thought Wisdom category that Unity Organization honors once a year to recognize socially conscious leaders who are making the world a better place. And one of the previous year's winners in the same category uh, was Oprah Winfrey. So he's got some very prestigious awards in terms of what he's done. So as I said, we are going to dig deep into the concept of surrender, how to actually enact and allow surrender to show up in your life, what some of the blocks and hurdles are. And so without any further delay, please welcome Mr. Coot Blackson. Good, man. Good to be back. Yeah, your last, I mean, the last time we spoke, your interview was fire. It was straight fire. I got so many comments. So many people reached out. Yeah, me. They're like, you got to have that guy back. And so I was just looking for an excuse to have you back on the show and uh, saw that you have a new book coming out called The Magic of Surrender, which yes. which I really would like to dig deep into, you know, this concept of surrender, which can be very elusive, very frustrating, um, very confronting for a lot of people. And so I think it's a great topic to dive into. But before we talk about that, tell me a little bit about what's been going on in your life since we last spoke. I think it was about a year and a half ago. Um, what's what's transpired on your end? Wow, so much, so many. I forget when we last spoke, but there's been, you know, life is a process of continual evolution. And so for me, there's been some some intense changes and growth in many ways. Uh, before that, my mother passed away, which triggered the book. We'll get into that in a second. Uh, in the last year, year and a half, last year specifically, I have moved from Los Angeles, where I was 20-some years, 23 years, where I thought I would live and die for the rest of my life. Mm -hmm. uh, moved from L.A., let go of my house in L.A., went to Phoenix, bought a place in Phoenix, spent time in Phoenix, no idea why, uh, <clears throat> let go of the relationship with the woman I thought I was going to marry, uh, releasing that, um, let's see, uh, sold my house in Phoenix, <laughs> ended up in Miami, now I'm in Miami, just a recent, and honestly, it's all really been about uh, following my internal guidance and following the energy and following the energy of life. Hmm. And that's really what it's been about. A lot of these things weren't planned. A lot of these things weren't intentions. A lot, a lot of the, none of these things, none of these changes were things I put or wrote in my journal. Uh, yes, I want to leave Los Angeles. Yes, I'm going to buy a house in Phoenix. That's a whole other story. But they just happened. They just unfolded when I was just simply tuning into where is the energy going? And so more than ever, which is why I'm excited to talk about you know the magic of surrender because I've really been put through the ringer, so to speak, and the test of 
embodying and living surrender in every single way, not just some esoteric concept and seeing how the shit works, you know, not, not necessarily always in some fairy tale way that push one or some formulaic way, like push one, A equals B equals C, boom, you win the lottery. Not necessarily like that. Because many of the changes I went through were not changes I wanted to go through. I never wanted to leave Los Angeles. I never wanted to freaking be in Phoenix. I never wanted to come to Miami. I never wanted to sell my house. I never wanted to do any of these things. And in the moment, I hated it. In the moment, I resisted it. In the moment, none of it made sense. But underneath the non-logical, I don't understand what's happening, there was always a deeper impulse that was moving. There was always a deeper impulse that gave me the sense of something, 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 something. But, 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 you know, the mind is, but, 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 but always trying to figure out what does this mean and where's this going and trying to constantly understand. And so I think to live surrender, to be free, how I've really been living the last year is really not questioning this internal guidance, just not questioning, following the clues, following the energy and allowing a different way. I'm proposing a different way of living, right? Allowing, instead of me trying to push and push life in a certain direction, this life that has been around for billions of years with its own intelligence, right? I've been really experimenting, you know, like testing my own theory, so to speak, experimenting with what happens when I allow life to guide me, allow myself to be led and guided, and I follow, I follow. That doesn't mean I sit there and do nothing and, you know, watch Netflix all day and, and, and end up homeless and just sit around and be lazy. No, that's, that's not surrender, you know. Uh, it means I have to, to have the courage to say, this is where my soul is guiding. This is where the impulse is. This is where it's guiding me. And to have the courage to take the action to follow that, to align my life with that something deeper. And so the last years have, has really been a, a, an experiment, a, a, an exploration, a, a spiritual practice in what happens when I let go of the conditions of life. What happens when I let go of what I think I want? What happens when I, what happens when I let go of control? What's the worst that happens when I let go of control? What happens when I even relax my mental projective manifestation goal setting and live in a state of surrender and openness? What, ha what actually happens? Mm -hmm. And so that's really been uh, the two years, brother, of, of testing that, living that, and being thrown in that process. And it's, it's led me to some amazing experiences and places, things that I could not have planned for myself or with my intention. Because I think many times the old way is you got to know where you're going and you've got to set your goals and you've got to write your goals down and your journal and then visualize it and see it and, and, and make it happen and go out and manifest it, which is great. I'm not saying don't do that, but I think a new paradigm 
is unfolding of living for humanity. If you look at 2020 and what happened, we had all these plans and intentions. And I don't know about you, but like, yay, 2020, let's make shit happen. At January, February, boom, COVID hit. Like, oh, well, it really felt like the cosmic joke of the universe, the cosmic joker, the infinite, the divine life, mm -hmm. just reminding us all like, oh, you think you guys are in control? Okay, well, let's just, you know, it's been a spiritual process. Like, we'll put you all in a spiritual sort of seminar. Called, we've all been in a, a, a surrender seminar through this 2020, 2021, whether we like it or not. Call it whatever you call it, COVID, call it pandemic, call, put whatever label. It is a spiritual surrender seminar we have all been in. We can resist it. We can fight it. We can judge it. But it's happening. And we've all been forced to accept, let go. And surrender and 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 so i really feel like evolutionarily as human beings as souls evolving we are being invited to a new way you know a new way of living a new way of experiencing a new way of being which is really about bringing ourselves in alignment with life you know, and, and, and so we set these goals. And I think many times we set goals <clears throat> thinking these goals are what we want. We think we know what we want. The challenge is many times what we want is just what we think we want based on who we think we are, which is based on our consciousness, which is based on our conditioning from the past and programming and parents and what have you. And many times our goals are driven by our unresolved pain, hurt, trauma from childhood, like, oh, I want that thing because if I can get that thing, if I can get the girl, if I can make the money, if I can do the thing, if I can be an actress or on TV, then I'm going to be validated enough. And so even the goals that we set and write down on a poster board sometimes aren't necessarily the most aligned or deepest authentic expression of what our soul is really here to incarnate and express in this lifetime. And so for me, one aspect of surrender is opening, not just to what you want, but to what, having the courage to let go and open to what life wants to express through you. And if you look at the great ones, Mandela. I mean, let's look at Mandela for a moment, right? I mean, who the hell wants to spend 27 years in prison? You yeah, can't, no you, you, you can't plan that in your journal goal setting session. Yes, I will. You know, we'll do this. I'll get arrested. I'll spend 27 years in prison and then I'll become, you can't plan that. That's, that's something bigger. And, and so what our soul wants is not always convenient. You know, it's not always convenient. And so I think to truly surrender, which for me is the freedom to truly surrender is to stop negotiating with life, to stop trying to force life to be something that it isn't just to try to stop forcing life into the direction we think it should be, which is based on only our own limited ego perception, and to open ourselves to the deepest impulse, to the highest good, to the deepest flow that life is seeking to express. Hmm. And, and, and aligning our actions with that. So we still take action, we still show up, we still do our part, but, but we're at least oriented in the, in the direction of authentic flow. And so to me, that's part of what Swin is about. That's what the last years have been uh, a deep dive into that exploration that was really triggered when my mother passed away. 
and that's how the entire Magic of Surrender book came about. My mother passed away. I got to spend a year with her in that process of her passing. You know, she had stomach cancer, totally unexpected. And I would fly from Los Angeles to, uh, to London every month to be with her during the chemo sessions. And it was the most profound experience, you know. And at first I was a little angry, uh, resistant. It's not fair, you know. And then my mother and I got so close during this time, just talking and connecting, that I got to this place of having to accept. To me, the first step is to accept. Then the next step is surrender, because to me, surrender is is where we move beyond acceptance to a place of wholehearted participation with what's happening. And so when I finally got to this place of surrender, like this is happening, there's no way out, I can't control it in any way, then I got to participate with my mother and the process of what was happening so fully that I got to a place of really thanking cancer for the opportunity Mm -hmm. of the depth of intimacy and connection with my, my mother. It was the best thing that happened to me and us and the best year of my life, even though it was very challenging. And what I got to see was this Japanese woman, my mother, throughout this entire year in such peace. This woman, I mean, it's easy to like read books, spiritual books, but when you're in a moment of death and your own mortality, she was in such peace. She was in such acceptance. She was just (coughs) beaming, you know, with love and life and I'll never forget when, this is when I realized the power of surrender. This is when I realized her true greatness. When the doctors told my mother, eight months into the process, basically get your affairs in order. There's nothing else we can do for you. And I I was so emotional, you know, when you realize you will not have another conversation with someone you love. And in the car, I had tears in my eyes and I asked her, are you afraid? And she said, no, I know. No, I'm not afraid. And I said, why? She said, I know I'm not just this body. I am an eternal spirit, not just this body. I'm just traveling through. This body is not my real essence. It's like, wow. And then I said, is there anything I can do for you as your son? You know, I want to be a good son. What can I do for you? And I'm thinking, go here, do this, buy her this thing. And she's like, there's nothing I want except one thing. And I said, what? She said, the only thing I want is what God wants for my life. The only thing I want is what God wants for my life. And I thought that was a simple but profound statement because it showed me the depth to which she was surrendered to life. It was, I think, the secret to her life, the secret to what I realized, wow, she had been, she actually been living this her entire life. And uh, it was why she was at peace with her experience, you know, and never once complained, never once cried, nothing, just peaceful. And uh, it was beautiful. And that's what inspired the book. And uh, just to wrap up, I thought the book was going to be something else. (laughs) You know, I had had this idea of writing this book about death and life and, you know, all the fragility, making the most of each moment. And yet this was my plan, right? And, And then... As I started writing the book, it became very clear through the process that there was an energy, there was a consciousness, there was a directive, there was a spirit of the book, the soul of the book was seeking to be birthed 
And my job was less about writing what I, I thought I should write and so, and so instead surrendering to what was seeking to be written. Hmm. And that's when the, the book came alive. That's when it revealed itself. That's when even the title, The Magic of Surrender, came into being because I realized my mother surrendered, my father surrendered, all of the great ones, Mandela, Jesus, Buddha, Bruce Lee, Muhammad Ali, uh, Malaya Yousafzai, Greta Thunberg, you know, Martin Luther King, they all surrendered mm. to something more than themselves. And so that's the essence, you know, it's been a, a journey of living, living surrender the last few years. Mm. It's beautiful. It's beautiful, man. I think, you know, first off, thanks for sharing the, you know, this story and your experience with your mom and I think that resonates in in many ways. I love the idea of surrender being beyond acceptance. You know, I think that we see oftentimes culturally acceptance is like this final moment. You know, it's like when I can just accept this thing. And, you know, I, I, I usually talk about acceptance being a verb. You know, it's something that we have to practice. It's something that we have to embody. It's something that we have to re-embrace, you know, maybe every day for a period of time. And that the surrendering, I think, as you said, is is a beautiful next step to being in action yeah. with what is presenting itself. You know, it's like I hear, I you know, I <clears throat> it was funny, I could kind of like hear Bruce Lee in some of what you were saying, like I feel, I felt like you were embodying Bruce Lee, you know, like that, like be like water, yeah. that just that very simple idea of, of be fluid with what's presenting itself in your life. Yeah, and you know, I think we're my wife and I are living through this right now. Like we, we we're three weeks away from having a child, amazing that's going to be birthed in the world, and at the same time. You know, last week we just found out that our our dog has terminal cancer. He's got lung cancer. He's got spleen cancer. Mm -hmm. And so this little this little entity that's been in our life for, you know, for her, it's been you know he's been in our life for twelve years, and for me, he's been in my life for five years. And I think both of us, when we talked about having a child, there was like this vision of this little baby, you know, being around this. He's a golden retriever, being around this old golden retriever that's. Uh, you know, just got this like very Buddha-like Zen energy to be around. And there is a surrendering that has to happen. You know, this surrendering of, of being in, uh, you know, having grief in one hand and gratitude in the other. And, and surrendering to that is, you know, quite, quite challenging and, and, and taxing in many ways. And certainly, as you're saying, it's like, this is not what we asked for. It's not what we wanted, especially bringing a child into the world. But there's so much wisdom in that. And so tell me a little bit more about this idea of surrendering being beyond acceptance. Yeah. And, and and like a little bit more around, you know, where does where do we start to and how can we start to face and embrace that surrender? Because I think in in many ways we have been taught to be rational, to to like really focus and force our way into what we want to create in life. And this concept, I think, is paradoxical in nature for a lot of people. And when they hear it, it's sort of, you know, there's like a knowingness that there's validity in it, but there's a challenge in the execution of it. And so I'm hoping there's, 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 a, there's a no, yeah, we can go back and forth, but there's a knowingness in the validity because there's something in our being that knows. Hmm. Our being, you know, 
feels, yeah, there's something, there's something, yeah, there's, yes, yes, there's surrender, yes, yes, yes. But, but, but that resistance is, is not from our being. The resistance to surrender is, is our ego personalities that, that, is, that wants to be in control of everything. And as human beings, what we do is we, tr we try to control everything. We try to control uh, the weather. We try to control how people perceive us. We try to control our, our spouse. We try to control our husband, our wife. We try to control our children. We try to control our pets. We try to control, you know, everything around us. But, and it only leads to exhaustion, stress, anxiety. And so, you know, if we really look at our lives, how much has willing and forcing and controlling our, uh, our lives, how is it, like if we really look at it, how has it really, really worked for us? Mm. I think most of, most of us, if we're honest, it really hasn't. You know, just to go back to Mandela, then to, to continue, like what if he really forced his way to not be in prison for 27 years? Now, I'm not saying I want him to be, or anyone, in prison for 27 years, but what if he forced and like just just kept and wasn't in prison for 27 years? Was he not meant to be in prison? Would it be better if he wasn't? Mm. I'm, it's, I, 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 I think I would guess and say if Mandela wasn't in prison for 27 years, it's those 27 years that gave him the time to meditate, to feel, to think, to, to develop the empathy, the compassion, the vision, the soul force. Also, to prepare the collective consciousness so that when he came out, he was able to have the impact and become an icon, you know, in society for the possibility of freedom and forgiveness. Would it have been better? I'm not saying that you can't create a life with your mind. You can. I'm not saying you can't create a life with will, power, and force. You can. All I'm saying is what I've been experiencing is a life that is created with the mind, the mind which is limited, tends to be a limited life or, or a good life, good. But I think when we move to that next level and that dimension of surrender, the life we can create is not limited to our past, is not limited to our personality. We are in a field of openness to something bigger than ourselves. That's when we tap into an infinite potentiality to move through us and use us that's when I think we can go beyond ourselves. Mm. Jesus went beyond himself. Mandela went beyond himself. Martin Luther King went beyond himself. They couldn't have done these things just based on their mental little strategy. We're going to free apartheid. We're going to, you know, build the civil rights movement. You can't do that with a little mental strategy. You have to tap into something bigger. Then, then that energy starts moving and a movement starts happening. And so I'm just proposing that there is another way. There is a deeper way. There is an organic way that we intuitively feel, but the ego is terrified because it's kind of a death. Look, it's a death to the ego. It's like, surrender. No, but I've got to be in control of my, my little life, even though I've got to be in control of something that I'm not really in control of, but I have the illusion of control. And so if there's anything 2020 and COVID and this pandemic taught us is you were never really in control in the first place. You just thought you were in control. But we'll just remind you in this spiritual seminar called Life, life is a surrender process. We are in this surrender seminar. You guys were never in control of humanity in the first place. 
And to me, that's the freedom. Now, that doesn't mean you don't show up. It doesn't mean you don't give your best. It doesn't mean you don't commit fully. You do everything. You show up. You do your best. But I think the ability to surrender is when you don't get attached to the outcome. You don't get attached to the result. You know, you give your best and you show up fully. And so acceptance is where you say, okay, this is what is. But in a state of acceptance, you can still be like, this is what is, but I'm pissed off. You know, this is what is. This is what is but I'm still resisting that it shouldn't be what is. The experience I'm having is still not the experience I should be having, but okay, it's what is. It is what it is. So there still can be an internal resistance inside of acceptance, even though you're accepting what is. It's like, it, let's say it's raining outside. You're like, okay, it's raining outside. I accept it's freaking raining outside. And I'll take my umbrella, it's raining outside. But I'm mad it's raining outside. And now I'm pissed off walking around in the rain outside. Okay. That's acceptance, you know? But when you're in surrender, you're like, okay, it's raining outside. There's nothing I can do. It's raining outside. And maybe I can take my, my kid and my family and maybe we can go play in the rain. Maybe we can jump in the puddles in the rain. Maybe we don't fight that it's raining outside. And maybe we use this as an opportunity for us to be inside and, and have a family conversation or we play we play some board games or we watch you know a documentary together and we do something beautiful inside and let's participate fully with what's happening and use this for some beautiful expansion and evolutionary opportunity so surrenders when we we wholeheartedly participate with what is happening knowing that underneath everything that's happening i believe the universe is always working for our highest good in some way, even though we may not see it in the moment. And so surrender is to know that and, 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 and participate fully with it, you know? And, and so when we move into acceptance, then we move into surrender. People think, oh, that means you just don't do anything? You, you just don't take action? No, 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 no. When you surrender, it might mean, the surrender might mean you have to surrender to doing something you don't want to do. It might mean, wow, I've been... I've been hiding my voice about speaking out against a certain injustice for so long that I feel in my soul and something is nudging me in that direction. To surrender might mean to finally move beyond your own personal fear and surrender to the fact that it's time you speak up and share your story with the world and maybe write that book. To surrender might mean you go where it's scary. Mm. To surrender might mean you've been in a relationship for 10 years, comfortable, but you know that it's no longer serving, that you and your partner are no longer a vibrational match. And to surrender might mean instead of staying in something comfortable because of what people will think and your own fears of survival, you go where it's scary and have the scary conversation and perhaps separate and get a divorce because you know it's just not aligned anymore. To surrender might mean if you're working in a job that you don't like or you don't love or even in a job that you know is not an expression of your purpose and maybe you're successful at it, maybe you make money at it and you're good at it. Sometimes success can be a trap and we, and we can keep doing what we know how to do because we can do it, but we're no longer growing and evolving. And, but I, get, I make amazing amounts of money. I'm doing well. I can survive. To surrender might mean the acceptance of I'm not growing here anymore. The acknowledgement of I'm not evolving here anymore. The acknowledgement of I could keep doing this my whole life and be fine, but I'm not really growing. My soul's not growing. And to surrender might mean having to be honest with oneself about that and say, you know what? It's time to live my purpose. It's time to leave my job. So to surrender might mean leaving your job, as an example, you know? And uh, 
surrender is can feel scary. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think I, I appreciate what you said before about, you know, the maybe we could call it an obstacle, but one of the challenges that that arises when we're faced with something that we that we you know are being asked to surrender to is that there is a form of confrontation with death in some way. It is a death. Yeah, that we we're we're meeting either the you know in some ways we're meeting the energy of death either externally within life or we're meeting the energy of death internally within our psyche and our ego the the part of us that maybe that has attached itself to a future possibility of yeah. what what was supposed to happen right what was going to happen what should be happening yeah. and so there's a grieving process that has to happen and i think you know, I'm I'm would love to hear you speak about that a little bit because I think that in some ways we culturally live within a society that has denigrated the idea of grieving. Oh, you know, that has man. desecrated oh, the shrine of grief. Such a good question. Um, I think the more we suppress our grief, the less uh, I'm going to try and find the right way to say it. The more we suppress our grief, the less we have access to our joy. You know. And I think we're a culture that we've lost touch with joy, you know, not happiness. Happiness, can, you, can, you can buy happiness, go to Gucci, go to this place, go to that place, buy some happiness for a fleeting moment. But joy is that energy which arises for no reason, just from the internal uh, connection to being, it's joy. And I think we've lost touch with joy because we have learned We've been conditioned to suppress grief. When my mother passed away, you know, I had been making peace with it the entire year. The whole year, been making peace, layers of peace, layers of peace. But when my, when my mother passed away, the level of grief I experienced was like nothing I had experienced. There was a level of grief that was, it's like my heart broke open into millions of pieces. And I, I chose not to resist it, to deny it, to judge it. I allowed myself to feel it fully as an experience. And there were some moments of deep tears, some moments of deep tears, and just allowing it, you know. But what happened was when I allowed the grief, the level of grief was present because the level of love mm-hmm. I had for her was also present. So there is no depth of love without the complementary depth of grief. And if you want to open the depth of love in your heart, you have to be willing to feel the depth of grief. And so what happened for me was the more I allowed the grief, the more love expanded, the expansion of love happened in my heart to feel how much I loved my mother. So through the grief, my heart's capacity to love her and love those around me as an experience also began to expand, you know? Mm. I think sometimes we don't let ourselves feel, let's say, grief because we're afraid it will never end. We're afraid we won't be able to handle it. We're afraid we will die if we feel it, right? But what I found is all feelings remain present until felt. And all feelings are ultimately temporary and every feeling has its own cycle. And if we're willing to feel our feelings fully with conscious awareness and presence, 
then the feeling begins to dissolve, sometimes in stages. And so grief may not just dissolve because you feel it one time for 30 minutes. Hmm. But if for me, it was in layers. And so we have to start cultivating the relationship to, let's say, grief or whatever the feeling is. A relationship to the feeling where we realize I can have the grief, but I'm not the grief. You know, I can have the emotion. I'm not the emotion. I can have the emotion. And, and one thing I would say is when you're able to take the judgment and the label off of the feeling and emotion. So you can even start, stop calling it anger, fear, sadness, hurt, grief, because that sometimes trips people up, especially us spiritual folks that were like, Wait, we shouldn't be experiencing those things. We should be high vibing all the time. Mm. I think when we can take off the label, even off of the feeling and just experience the feeling, grief, as a sensation, a sensation that goes through the body to feel the sensation, experience the sensation, let the sensation move through without even labeling it or attaching it as grief and just experiencing it, then it moves through and then that layer dissolves. And so I think it takes a lot of courage, but when we don't feel or allow ourselves to experience and feel the grief, it's part of what keeps us stuck. It's part of what keeps us blocked. And so one of the ways I was able to move through the process of loss was the willingness. I'm not saying it was easy, but the willingness to go to my grief and feel the grief and allow one layer to resolve. And then there was another layer of grief and allow that layer to resolve. And then, and then not wallow in it, but keep living my life and then allow another layer to resolve. And as one layer came up, just allow that to move through and keep moving. Mm. And so I think grief can be a, a really powerful teacher to also soften our heart to a deeper empathy, a deeper feeling, a deeper sensitivity, a deeper compassion. Because I think through feeling the grief, it opens us up to the sensitivity, the compassion, the empathy for other human beings in that process as well. So there is a gift in it. Yeah, I think, you know, I really appreciate what you're saying, because I think in many ways, as we talk about surrender, and as we talk about the entrance into or the invitation to a lot, you know, the, the permission of grief to emerge within us and for us to make contact with some of the harder aspects of life, what I hear deeply embedded in this conversation is the absolute depth of strength and courage and uh, bravery that surrender requires of us. You know, like I think about the moments in my life where I've had to surrender to my life falling apart or moving in a different direction than I expected to not know what was going to unfold. There was a certain quality of strength that emerged in those moments that that I, I couldn't access before that, you know, that I was because I was so rigid in my rational direction that 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 kind of stifled my um, strength, you know, my capacity and, and my direction a little bit because I had become rigid in what I thought needed to happen. And what I hear you saying is that there is, while we have to move into this space of surrendering, there's also a, a different quality of strength that emerges from that. And so you know, do you agree with that? How do we cultivate that? And, and maybe what does that look like? Yeah, I think there is a strength. I think if, if it's only natural that as you let go, of what's not working, as you let go 
of things that aren't aligned, as you let go of a job or a relationship or a person or a friendship or, or, or an addiction or, or a dynamic or you know, who you know yourself to be, as you let go, there will be grieving. It's, it's like it's natural. And so nothing is wrong. I think it's just a sign that you're actually going, you're actually going in the right direction. And you're, it's a sign that you are actually beginning that process of letting go. Like when something dies, when someone dies, when something dies, when a relationship ends, when you let go, it's natural to grieve. In fact, it's probably a little more unnatural natural if you, if you react from a place of, yay, let's party. You know, that, that's probably like likely you're suppressing or doing a spiritual bypass. Mm. And so grief, I think, is a sign that you are authentically, truly letting go sign that you are truly uh, feeling and letting go. And that's how we let go is through the grief. And when we feel the grief, then we can let go. Then we can open to more without carrying that sort of grief inside of us as a sort of low grade feeling or sadness, you know, but it does, it does take the courage, but as human beings, we often never really find out who we really are until shit falls apart, until a relationship ends, a relationship that maybe you thought was the one and the heartbreak ends. We often never really find out until we go through that experience and more than this. We're often never really forced until we're challenged to dig into our, to dig into parts of ourselves that we didn't even know was inside of us until we went through that experience. Mm. And so if someone is going through a hard time, a difficult time, just know that that on one level, you must be ready. Like you wouldn't be going through this experience if you weren't, if your soul wasn't ready for the falling apart, if your soul wasn't ready for something more, your soul is seeking something more, which is why it's happening. What we tend to do when shit starts falling apart though, is we tend to like, out of fear, hold on. And many of the times what we hold on to, if we're really honest, it wasn't really working for us in the first place. You know, uh, it, it wasn't really what we wanted in the first place, but we hold on out of comfort. This is the first response, hold on out of fear, hold on out of safety. And so I think if we're willing, you know, to, to let go, to trust a bit more, just trust a bit more like, okay, this is happening. To have to, to cultivate the, the willingness. Say, so, okay, this is happening. Let me breathe. Let me take a moment. Let me sit for a moment. And not just go into the automatic, let me hold on. Because holding on to that which doesn't work, which we've all done, holding on to that which is not working only blocks the flow for more. And as human beings, many times we do our affirmations and we pray and we meditate and, and do these visualizations to manifest more while holding on to the old. Like, universe, give me more, but, but like, uh, I'm going to hold on to the old. You know? And so I think we have to be willing to also feel, you know, back to feeling, to feel the pain of what holding on to what's not working actually is costing us and what it really feels like. To actually feel the pain, which we're constantly numbing ourselves. We, we drink it away. 
We drug it away, we sex it away, we social media it away, we distract ourselves with busyness so that we don't feel the pain of this sucks. This relationship is not working. No, but let me hang out with my friends. Let me eat more food. Let me watch Netflix. Let me not feel the pain. I'm inviting people to just feel the pain. That pain that you feel is not bad. It is a signal showing you something is not aligned. And so when we hold on to what's not aligned, that's our affirmation of our lack of trust in the universe, and we tend to create more. But we also, we are the ones blocking our own flow. We are the one, not the universe. You know, many times the universe wants to give us more, like here, but, but we're like, no, we're holding on. There's, there's no room to receive more. And so I think when we let go, when we let go of what's not working, a relationship, a thought pattern, a way of being, and the next level of our life will always require the next level of ourselves. So I would say if you really want to manifest the next level, if you really want to manifest goals, dreams, visions, to me it's not about sexy manifestation visualizations. It's not about opening your pineal gland to the next level. I mean, all those things are great. But I really believe that when you release and you let go of the old, whether it's people, whether it's situations, and we all know there are things in our lives that we need to let go of. When we let go of that energy, it is a vibration. It is a frequency. It is an energetic, you know, uh, vibratory energy. Mm -hmm. When we let go, whether it's pain, hurt, fear, sadness, shame, guilt, people, situations, exes, friendships, work, whatever level of letting go we start vibrating higher. Mm -hmm. You know, we start vibrating higher, our frequency shifts, our consciousness shifts. And that's when I believe that not only do, do we become more open, our vibration shifts to make us more resonant with that next level of what we want, whether it's a relationship, whether it's a person. So I think one of the quickest ways we can truly manifest what we want is letting go of what's not working. Then we can vibrate higher and be more open then there is space in our life for what we want to show up yeah i mean I th it's it's interesting because i think what we're describing in some ways and what you're really laying out is is a sort of natural deconstruction process and that is sort of ass backwards from what most people have been you know, taught in culture or, or what we as human beings really want to gravitate towards because we we live in this sort of ascension-obsessed or ascension-oriented culture that doesn't like the idea of deconstruction, right, of having things fall apart and to descend for a period of time. And I think that in many ways, surrendering pulls us into a descent. It feels like a descent. But that's not a bad thing, yeah. right? I think it's that a clearing. When, yeah, it's a it's a clearing in many ways. And when you look at, you know, some of the further along components of things like depth psychology and and even different forms of spirituality, what they end up talking about is a deconstruction. You need to unbecome the parts of who you are that are actually getting in the way, mm. and that's freaking terrifying. You know, I think it's really it's really terrifying when we find ourselves in this position of needing to unbecome the things that have made us successful yeah. or needing to unbecome the things and deconstruct and and let go of, let these things go or or die, the parts of us that have kept us safe, that have created structure in our life. And so, I think what I hear you saying is 
is both openness and order simultaneously. That surrender requires us to be open to what's falling apart, but still maintain an order of direction of these things are still important in my life, right? We still need to have some markers sure. in our life that are that are creating direction, that are helping us make decisions. And that, you know, the, the openness that we have, if, we, if we're just fixated on that part, can oftentimes be, lead us into this like ascension-oriented obsession where we lose out on the letting go. And so I would just, you know, does that resonate that the idea of order and openness of, of like maintaining the balance between the two? And maybe another way of saying it is, do you feel like there's a difference or a distinction between, between active versus passive surrendering? Because I think that oftentimes in certain spiritual cultures and communities, it's like, well, just let it all go, right? Just like, let it all happen. And I think that can cause a lot of chaos for people. I think it's also not in some, yeah, some look, ways. I, I just want to make clear, surrender doesn't necessarily mean no responsibility. Mm-hmm, Let's mm-hmm. be clear. Surrender might mean, like, look, you're about to become a father. I mean, that requires a tremendous amount of surrender. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Right? Maybe someone listening to this conversation, they've been thinking about becoming a father. They want to be a father, but they're terrified of being a father. But they know the next level of their soul's evolution is become a father. But they're terrified, oh shit, if I become a father, then how am I going to do my life? How am I going to build my career? Uh, who will I become? Will I be the father that my father was? And I don't want to be that. But they know the next level of their soul's evolution is fatherhood. I can keep doing my life as I'm doing it solo, or I can become a father. That choice also requires a level of surrender. So it's, that's that, you know, you becoming a father or someone becoming a father is not, well, just let it all happen. You know, it's, it's, it's yes, let it happen. But the level of surrender to that process, surrendering to that experience, surrendering to that journey and surrendering to the next level of responsibility that fatherhood requires responsibility, taking care of your son, you know, uh, making money, creating structure, all of the creating a home base, all of that is another level of responsibility, which is surrendering. So I want to be clear that surrender doesn't mean let my life fall apart. Surrender doesn't mean just whatever happens, happens. Surrender, surrender means ultimately moving in the direction of your deepest growth and evolution, moving in the direction where your soul is guiding you to moving in the direction where the universe is pushing you and and participating with that. And so to me, surrender is an active process. Mm. It's an active process. If you look at like, look, if you look at, uh, so, so, so surrender is not laziness. Let's be clear. Like just surrender. Let's sit on my ass and just home and meditate. No, no, sometimes surrender is get off of your ass. Stop meditating. Stop visualizing. Stop doing yoga and get your ass into the world and share your gifts with the world in active activism. Mm. That might be surrender, right? And so it's not so much about the form, it's about the intention. Surrender might mean you work harder than you've ever worked in your entire life, 18 hours, 20 hours. Look, Mother Teresa was probably working 24 hours in the day. That's surrender. She had surrendered to that as active. Mm. So sometimes we confuse, we have this misconception of, 
oh, surrender, just light incense, <laughs> you know, go, it out. go to the mountaintop, om, yeah. om it out. So, sometimes we need to stop oming it out and get onto the field of life and work, yeah. you know. Yeah. So, so sometimes people use surrender as a, this is where it gets tricky. We can you have to be careful to not use the concept of surrender as an excuse to not show up fully in the world. Like, oh, I'm surrendered, so I'm just, whatever happens, happens. You know, no, I'm saying, yes, whatever happens, happens, ultimately, yes, but we have to show up fully, give everything we've got. Once we give everything we've got, we show up, you do your part fully, then you can truly say, well, from now, whatever happens, happens, because I've done everything. The challenge is many of us, we're saying, well, whatever happens, happens, but we haven't given 100%. Mm. You know? So to me, grace, true grace, which we pray for, and we all want grace to flow, which enables us to do more than we can do on our own. Grace really starts unfolding at the intersection of when you have done everything you can do, now grace starts. Mm. Now grace can begin. And so many times we're praying, God, please help me, please, universe, God, help me. And, and the universe is like, Hey man, you you haven't done your part. <laughs> you know that, mm -hmm. that that's like someone being four hundred pounds overweight and saying, "Surrender, Grace, God, please help me lose weight." God is going to look at you like, "Are you crazy? Get your ass up and go to the gym." You know, stop putting fourteen Big Macs in your mouth and do you and do your part. Grace, mm -hmm. true grace begins when we've done everything we can. That's when real. That's when I see real grace happens. So I'm, I'm an advocate for the responsibility, you know, surrender to the responsibility of what it is to be human, to be alive. Give 100 percent. Love it. When we, Love give, it when we give 100 percent, then it becomes a hell of a lot easier to surrender because, you know, you've done everything and there's nothing else you can do. Yeah. It can be harder to surrender to when you know you haven't given everything. Like if, if, if someone is in a relationship and you give 100 percent to the relationship all of yourself, and it doesn't work, it's not moving for whatever reason, it becomes a lot easier to say, I need to let go now. Mm. Because there's nothing else you can do. When you don't give 100% and you know deep down you were sort of playing it half, not fully showing up, not loving fully, not giving fully, not, then it becomes a, something remains incomplete inside of you because you know you didn't really give 100% and there's more. And so there's always the question of, well, what if I did give 100%, I only gave 50%, it's harder to surrender. And so in everything, give everything. To me, it's the participatory process of giving everything that opens us up to, to surrender. It's less about the result. The result will be what it is. Many, and I believe when we surrender, and here's really my promise that I've been experiencing in my life. I promise this will happen. It may not happen in the timing that we want, uh, but this is my guarantee. When we truly do our best and show up and we, when we're open and we surrender, what, ends up, what will often end up happening in our life will often be more, more than we can imagine. We think if we surrender, we're going to lose. If we surrender, our dreams won't happen. If we surrender, we won't get the, the thing we wanted. I'm actually proposing what if you surrendered and you got more? More, so much more that you couldn't even quite imagine 
what that more is right now. I'm promising more. And that's why I'm saying, if you want the magic, you've got to surrender. But we want the magic, but we want to hold on to the old shit. <laughs> it doesn't work that way. <laughs> so good, man. So good. Well, I think that's a, a good place for us to pause and and to wrap up. And I, I love that, you know, I love that concept of the responsibility, you know, that needs to be embodied within yeah. this, with within this magic of surrender. So um, we'll have the link for your book in the show notes. When does it launch? When can people order yeah, it? Yeah, people can start order it now. If it's okay, they can go to uh, themagicofsurrender.com. Uh, and, and then there's many free gifts that they can get once they buy on Amazon, all of that good stuff. So officially publishes May the 4th and they can start pre-ordering it now. Oh, I see what you did there. May the 4th, you got a little Star Wars reference. May the 4th be with you. Uh-huh. be with you. Yeah, buddy, good work. Well, all actually, right, it wasn't intentional, but it just, no? <laughs> it, it just happened. I swear it just happened. Oh, it's so good. Awesome, man. Well, thank you so much for joining me in the show. For everyone that's out there listening, don't forget to man it forward. Share this episode with just one person or more that you think will appreciate this episode and this conversation around surrender. And until next week, this is Connor Beaton signing off. Mm-hmm.